Hey, young ladies, it's Kristen. And Caroline. A couple years ago, way before the pandemic, we made a series of pep talks. And if this is news to you, not surprised, because for the very first time, we are bringing them out from behind the premium paywall to your ears. And we have picked six of our very favorites that we think are the perfect uplift for closing out 2021 and starting the new year. You're going to get three this week and three next week. We're helping you ration. (laughs) And since we recorded this particular pep talk, our guest, Ashley C. Ford, went on to write the New York Times bestseller, Somebody's Daughter. And she appeared in another Unladylike episode. I mean, what can we say? We love Ashley. Here's her pep talk. Enjoy. It's weird to me now that I can go out to dinner and spend $100 when there was a time when $100 in a month could be the difference between me being okay and me completely not being okay. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the Unladylike Pep Talks album. I'm Kristen. I'm Caroline. Pep Talks are pick-me-ups for when patriarchy gets you down. Starring some of our favorite, most inspirational, hilarious, and brilliant unladies. Today, we have writer and host of the BuzzFeed show Profile, Ashley C. Ford. And she's here to help us work through all our feels about class code switching, which is a concept, Caroline, that makes so much sense, yet I had not thought about it in those terms before listening to Ashley. Well, that's why I'm so glad she's here. So when Ashley was growing up, her mom rarely talked about money, and if she did, it was pretty much about not having enough. It wasn't until Ashley got to college that she realized some folks had it much, much better than she did. I mean, at least when it came to money. And that these folks talked about money in an aspirational way, like what they would do with the money they had. It was a novel concept to Ashley at the time. And so started Ashley's journey navigating different classes and how code switching really plays into that. Nowadays, Ashley loves talking about this stuff, and it's honestly so nice to hear someone speak so openly about their own class journey and money memories. Oh, I totally agree, Caroline. I mean, money and class, obviously, like, don't just shape our bank accounts, but also, like, our very concept of ourselves. And I know for me growing up, my socioeconomic class was something that I put so much time and effort into concealing as much as possible. So, I mean, my parents weren't destitute, but we had zero money to spare. Um, My parents were, like Ashley's mom, uh, arguably too open about how little money we had. And like that was always, always like the core conflict. In hindsight, I just became quickly so class conscious, like conscious of class signifiers, like the kinds of cars, you know, friends, parents picked them up in, whether kids had their own private like landline uh, numbers, uh, what, what people wore, how I looked, you know, like all of those things that I really spent a lot of time and effort 
trying to camouflage. Yeah, I mean, money is such an emotionally charged topic that, like, when I was seeing my first therapist years ago, I would turn red and start to sweat when she asked me to even think about it, especially in the context of, like, relationships, not even just friendships or your own family or whatever, but, like, when you're putting your life together with someone else's and things are either uneven or you just don't want to even go there. And money plus relationships mm. is something that we've talked about on Unladylike before. But I'm so glad that Ashley is bringing in really the class conversation because um, in an era where women are really trying to claim their space, and even if we look at the Me Too movement, for instance, um, class factors in so importantly to women's lived experiences, yet a lot of times when money comes up in feminist conversations, it's around like salary negotiation. Who's going to pick up the dinner tab? When the mere concept of class and how we are raised with that is really a more central part of our identities or can be than our sort of more surface feminist financial conversations usually dig into. And speaking of which, why don't we dig into Ashley's pep talk? My name is Ashley C. Ford. I am a writer, a show host, a speaker, an editor, a screenwriter, <laughs> a podcast host. I like to make things. I think I'm just I'm just a person who likes to make things. The most unladylike thing about me is probably my refusal to be polite when I feel like someone is willfully mishearing me or ignoring me at all. And the most unladylike thing about what I do is tell the truth. <laughs> so when it comes to code switching and class transition, Probably the most significant point in my life so far, and I know that this sounds really insignificant, but trust me, this is a larger thing. Um, One day, (laughs) I was cooking dinner for myself and my husband, and I cut my finger accidentally, ran into the bathroom, and grabbed a Band-Aid. And I just started thinking about the fact that I just ran into the bathroom and knew that I would have Band-Aids and that that was the first time that had ever been true in my life. Not because my mother, you know, like forgot to buy Band-Aids or keep Band-Aids in the house with her four children, um, four very rambunctious children, but because it was the first time in my life that I was able to afford just-in-case things and have them around. I had never really had just-in-case things around before. You didn't buy new toilet paper until all the toilet paper was gone. You didn't spend money on things like candles just in case the lights went out or flashlights just in case the lights went out. It is really, really strange being able to plan 
for (laughs) a problem financially. It's strange. And there's kind of nothing that prepares you for that moment where you come face to face with the fact that the what you lived with before was maybe fine. But there are a lot of people in the world who don't understand what it's like to not really know what it's like to have enough or to be able to think about tomorrow. My class story starts with my mother, who worked at the same place from the time I was around six years old until she retired about two years ago. And my mother worked for the sheriff's department in my hometown. And while working for the sheriff's department, my mother (laughs) had four children. There was me, my brother, um, who is 14 months younger than me, my sister, who is six years younger than me, and then another brother who is 12 years younger than me. And I would say my brother, who's 14 months um, younger than me, we pretty much grew up in the same situation, which is some poverty into working class, but lower working class, definitely. (laughs) And I think that's really hard sometimes to remember because I grew up in Indiana where the cost of living is actually pretty low. But even then, (laughs) we weren't, it wasn't coming together the way it should. And I don't think I realized how little my mother was making until I went to college. And when I went to college, I had to fill out a FAFSA for federal financial aid to see if I was eligible for any. Um, Turns out I was eligible for all of it because (laughs) we had that little, you know. And that was also when I found out that my mother um, had never, as long as we had been living in her home, my mother had never made more than $40,000 a year, ever. And I think that's when I realized that I had no idea how she was doing it. Like, I had no idea how she was keeping it together. I had no idea how we were okay. And then I go to college, and college is different. Obviously, like the first day I realized that things are different when, you know, I'm moving into the dorms and different young women are coming in with their moms and aunts and dads and family members, siblings, whoever, and they're putting up, you know, they're taking down the curtains in the dorm room and putting up their own curtains and rugs and trash cans and stuff. And I came with a mini fridge, a twin blanket set that was the only thing I'd asked for for Christmas was a comforter set. So that's the thing I got for Christmas. And like some toiletries, some household things. Like I just didn't have very much. And I didn't have very much because I just didn't have very much. And I think that was the first time I realized like, oh my gosh, like maybe I grew up with a lot less than I thought I did. And then moving to New York changed everything because you move to New York And there's the rent prices, and there's the MTA, and there's how much food costs. And, you know, it it became really, really clear that across this country, across the world, people are living at different levels. And 
I don't think a lot of people who are living and have always lived at a lower socioeconomic status really understand how much people who are middle class to upper middle class think they are just normal. They think that what they have is completely normal. And I didn't know that until I came to New York. (laughs) That's when I found that out, was how many people just thought the way they had grown up, being able to do things like study abroad and taking school trips out of the country and things like that, that they thought that was super normal. And I was like, we couldn't even get a senior class trip to Cedar Point. And I lived in Indiana, which means Cedar Point was the next state over. It was like a three-hour drive. And my class together couldn't raise enough money to afford that trip as a senior trip. So I come to New York. I start working in media. And I have the weird fortune of doing really well in media and being able to transition into a higher socioeconomic class. And I immediately don't understand how transitioning into a higher socioeconomic class doesn't make everybody who's done it super radical about money. Because the difference between enough and not enough is actually a very, very little amount of money. I could have used a pep talk every time I entered a room and thought that because I had been invited, perhaps, and not actually paid to be there the way some people had, that I was less worthy of being in that room. And worthiness, I think, is this thing that people have really bastardized (laughs) in this country. The idea that having money makes you worthy when we know that the thing that makes the most money isn't hard work. It's just that money makes more money. (laughs) I think that's a terrible, terrible thing. I think it's a moral failing of ours that we've somehow equated those two things. And I think the only way to change that is to change the perspective of the people who have the most to gain by that changed perspective. And I think those people are usually people like me three years ago, walking into those rooms and having those interactions and feeling like I had nothing to contribute to that space, when in reality, I had everything to contribute to that space because a lot of those people were basically walking blind spots. One of the things that really bothers me in this country is the idea that getting something for free makes you value it less. Because we only believe that when we're talking about giving people who don't already have access to those things something for free. Whenever I've gone to a gala or a premiere or something like that, I've walked away with a gift bag full of very expensive, unnecessary things that I've then dispersed among my friends and family. I don't think that because I could afford to buy those things, I appreciated them more 
than my friends and family who don't have access. I think that's something that rich people tell themselves to make themselves feel better about how many things they get for free, that they appreciate it because they could have bought it on their own, which is the wildest, wildest shit I've ever heard in my life. But rationalization is the closest humans come to divining magic. We can convince ourselves of anything if we really, really want to. But this is a thing that has to stop. This is the argument against free healthcare. <laughs> this is the argument against free education and college is that if you don't pay for it, you won't appreciate it. But the thing is, nobody says that about inheritances. Nobody says that if you inherit $5 million that you won't appreciate it. They just say it's yours. And I think that this weird idea that having money is a moral good and indicates moral goodness, it's how we're going to eat each other alive if we don't stop and refute that terrible, flawed, and dangerous idea. This is my pep talk to all of you. You are more than money. That's obvious, right? You're a human being. You make money. Money doesn't make you. But as long as this world or this country depends on a capitalist system, it's your job to know what your value is in that market and demand it. And I don't care what anybody else says about what you deserve and what you're worthy of. I'm right. You're worthy of what you want. So go get what you want, work hard for it, and never let anybody convince you that you have to do it on your own or that they did it on their own. We don't support lies here, not in this pep talk. In this pep talk, we tell the truth. And the truth is, money isn't everything. But it is important, and you're worthy of every dime. Oh, y'all, Ashley C. Ford is just, I mean, she's one of the greats, truly. And we hope that she put a pep in y'all's step. And remember, she has a book you can read now, the best-selling memoir, Somebody's Daughter. Pick it up, devour it like we did. We also had her on for a full Unladylike episode all about Somebody's Daughter and her journey through trauma and coming out the other side. So definitely go listen to episode 122, Unlearning Shame, for more Ashley Seaford brilliance. You can find us over on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Unladylike Media. You can also drop us a line at hello at unladylike.co. And you can support Caroline and me directly by joining our Patreon. You will get instant access to our ad-free bonus episodes and a new bonus episode every week, including our totally subjective top five moments of 2021. You can find it all over at patreon.com slash unladylikemedia. 
Nora Ritchie is the senior producer of Unladylike. Michelle O'Brien is our associate producer. Gianna Palmer is our story editor. Shruti Marate transcribes our tape. Our music is by Flamingo Shadow, Amit May Cohen, and Sarah Tudson. Mixing is by Andy Christens. Sound design and additional music is by Casey Holford and Andy Christens. Nora Ritchie, Jenny Barish, and Joanna Kelly contributed vocals. Special thanks to Abigail Keel and Aaron Nestor. Our executive producers are Peter Clowney, Daisy Rosario, and Unladylike Media. This podcast was created by your hosts, Kristen Conger and Karen. Caroline Irvin of Unladylike Media. And remember, need a little pep in your step? Get Unladylike. Caroline, I was overly conscious of class as a kid, even though, I mean, I wasn't like sitting there, you know, with like the banker's visor on, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like thinking about money. Stitcher.